Obviously. On the prompt. Buonasera a tutti, è il 27 febbraio e state ascoltando un nuovo episodio di The Prompt. Welcome to The Prompt, a weekly panel discussion on technology and the culture surrounding Apple and related companies. It is the 5th of March 2014. Welcome back to the world's greatest podcast. My name is Mike Hurley and I'm joined by Mr. Stephen Hackett. Hello, sir. Hello, friend. How are you? I'm doing well. How are you? I'm very good. Federico is dealing with ISP issues again today. Was there a fire? There may have been a mini fire. We don't know if there has been a fire or maybe it's frozen. We're not sure yet. But um, Mini a- fire with retina display? He told me he was having trouble even accessing Google. Well, I mean, they're probably down. It's a startup, really. Yeah. You know, these guys, they get attacked with that sort of stuff. So, uh, no Federico today. We miss you greatly, Federico, already. If you want to hear Federico, you can go back to the beginning of the show and listen to the previously clip. Yeah, just keep doing that. Yeah, the rest of it's just, just loop it. Just loop it on logic, Mike. Just. Okay. Stata ascoltando un nuovo episodio di The Prompt. Episodio di The Prompt. The Prompt. The Prompt. The Prompt. The rest of this is just going to be filler anyway, so. Oh, I worked hard on these topics. Okay, well, we'll find out how hard as we get into... (laughs) You go off to your big fancy job, and I stay here working on topics all day, and you just don't (laughs) appreciate me for what I do. Okay. I don't really know how to respond to that. It's better just to jump into follow-up. Follow-up. We have some listener email, and I think we should go through it. Okay, please do. Please dive into the mailbag. (laughs) Uh, mm. uh, Carlos Franco, Franco, Carlos Franco wrote in, uh, and he switched to Android about a year ago. And I'm just going to quote him. Uh, so far, I can't recall running into any instances of users and app developers getting into heated battles in a review. So we talked to uh, last, was it last week about it was last week. Yeah. It was last week. It was the week before this one mm-hmm. previous to this. That in the Play Store, there is a mechanism for developers to respond to app reviews directly. And there's some rules around it, but, you know, Federica and I basically said, well, you know, if you give people a venue to troll, you know, people will take advantage of that. But uh, Carlos seems to think, or his experience has been, that that's not the case, which is encouraging, right? Like, that's that's good. Um, And he thinks that, you know, that's, that's better than um, a lack of developer feedback in the iOS app store. And I, I tend to agree. And if the experience there is good, I think Apple, you know, maybe should look at, at doing that. What about you? I mean, I mean, Mike, you've used Android on and off over the years. Like, have you really run into that at all? I mean, I can't really comment because I don't, re- I don't tend to read reviews. Like in general, which I don't know if that's if that's something to consider. Do you read reviews in the App Store? No, I only ever do if I'm searching for an app. I can text Federico. Like, <laughs> I don't need the masses. That's a good hmm. point. But like, if I'm ser- <laughs> if I'm searching for an application of some description, like let's say a world clock app, yeah, right? um, I can just take. I tend to, but I tend to just look at the star rating, hmm. and then the description. And then if that's not giving me everything, I may look at reviews, but it's rare that I do. Yeah, I mean, I've definitely done it before, but I don't think I've ever been in a situation where I make a purchasing decision based on them. 
And I also tend to ignore one-star reviews anyway. Yeah, I generally write them off as people being ridiculous. Yeah, or someone understanding understand something or someone being upset about something. Right. I think most rational people, if an app looks decent, will find enough in it to at least give it two stars. Yeah, 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 for sure. Because I'm not going to um, look at the screenshot. Like, I'm going to be able to tell from the screenshots if it's a one-star application. Wow. You have the touch. I, I do, I do. App, app whisperer. That... <laughs> <laughs> that's my sixth sense that's the worst superpower ever hey but i've still got one what's your superpower well if i told you michael it would still be super yes you can tell me it would be less surprising when i use it on you there you go that's better <laughs> so yes yeah, so thank you carlos uh for writing in uh justin adams also writes in um about the uh in context of the Mac app store and, and basically that, you know, we're talking about if, you know, if I buy OmniFocus straight from the Omni group, I have to keep up with my serial number somehow. And what I do is I generally just stash those emails in Evernote. Um, or, you know, a lot of people use one password has a serial number functionality. It's pretty good. Um, but, you know, he was like, ah, yeah, I don't want to do that. Like the app store is, is just really easy and that, um, you know, he thinks that just being able to auto download anything you've purchased before outweighs any of the negatives. And like, I think that is probably a pretty mainstream view, you know, that, Hey, like you can, you know, I can like tell my mom, like, yeah, you can buy, well, you can't buy office on the store, but Hey, you can go buy pages on the store and like, you don't have to worry about serial number. You can never download it or whatever. And, and I think as well, the, in, like the always multi app license that you get from the app store is a benefit. Sure. So you get like a multi-install license, which in a lot of instances you have to pay extra for. You're not sure if you need it at the time you purchase it. And then later you're like, oh man, now I have two machines I need it on. And now I need to go buy a whole new license, which is more expensive than the family license. I always used to find that frustrating. So That's a good that's, point. I hadn't really considered that. But with the App Store, is is it limited to five or is it unlimited? I believe, it's, I believe it's five, I but I don't five, have too. a knowledge base article uh, at my fingertips. What? Saying that. I thought I'm you literally... had all knowledge base articles directly ready. Like Here we go. Oh, look. Uh, the power slider himself. Um, is providing you with knowledge base articles as we speak. Well, he wrote an article for Macworld. I think it's pronounced Macvold. It's German. McVold. McVold. Uh Basically, if your household uh, writes, so so he says. Now this is from 2011 that you get the rights to run that program on any Mac that you own and operate. Um, so therefore, an unlimited license. Seems like it. So, so I'll, I'll put, put that. I'll put that in the show notes. Where are the show notes? Uh, somewhere. I think that we can fax them to you. Okay. If you just you just need to write in. Yeah, so you want to email Mike. Okay, um, e- email me directly and I'll provide you with the show notes. Just say I yes. would like the show notes and I'll know what ones you mean. Yes, uh, they, no, they are at 5x5.tv slash prompt slash 38. Man. It's now gotten to that point in my life where if I hear the word prompt, it doesn't mean the same thing anymore. It just it just makes you think of me and Federico? Yeah. That's like, so sweet. Um, I was listening to ATP and they were talking about some stuff that I didn't understand. 
Yeah, they, they've uh, been doing that recently. Lots of things that I didn't understand, like I didn't understand them. Uh, but I know that I'm in the minority. Like, I know I'm listening to this. I'm like, hmm, hmm, yes, yes. I mm. know exactly what you're saying. Yes, yeah, subjective C runtimes. Yes, mm-hmm. go to, go to, yes, yes. Yes, Software yes I would not have programmed it that way. I would have put in some... <laughs> <laughs> Are you okay? Do you need some water? No, I was just I was just speaking code. Clearly, you don't understand code. Yes, I am not a um, coder. So Marco said the word prompt, and and then it just made me think of the show. That was kind of all it. Oh, that's a little egotistical, don't you think? In in all fairness to those guys, it's strange that and I think this used to be the same with hypercritical for me. I can listen to things that I I don't understand. Like I I do not know the words that they're saying, but I find it entertaining still. <laughs> I don't know what you're saying. You know, Casey was on um, Debug with uh, Renee Ritchie and Guy English earlier this week. I was listening to that and like, I can keep up with the Objective-C type stuff. Like I'm not uh, a programmer, but I can, I can do some things. Like I understand it, but he's still talking about like C sharp and windows development and like my brain exploded. So yeah, I don't understand any of it, but I still find it entertaining for some reason. I don't know why. Yeah. Uh, speaking of things that you don't understand. <laughs> Let's Michael. talk about everything. <laughs> <laughs> have you have you have you come to any decisions on the Mac Pro? Uh I will be getting a Mac Pro, but I'm gonna leave it as long as possible. Until your Mac Mini explodes? Uh just until they maybe rev them. Huh. So, considering they haven't shipped a lot of them that people ordered yeah. in January, I really think that thing's going to be on at least an annual cycle. Um, yeah, maybe, but that might I might be able to wait. Yeah, so I I finally got to play with one. Actually, this was supposed to be in the follow up for like the last two weeks, and I keep I kept failing at putting it in. But uh, I played with the six core uh, model at the local Apple store, Apple Shop, as you might say, ye old Apple Shop. Yield Apple Shop, and uh, they've let me in now, which is nice. Nice of them to have changed that policy. And um, I did the old trick of like, let's open every application at once. And I- I'm telling you, Mike, like, I-, I think you've played with one too. A couple of times. It's speed in a way that I don't really understand. Like, it's so, it did it, and that's a very like simple test. And a lot of that's SSD based, but like, it was so quick to open everything. Um, so I did that, and then I played. You can you can do a command called yes um, that basically will max out a CPU core. Um, I ran a bunch of those, even though really you're only supposed to I think run one, but you know whatever. Um, max it out. Mac. <laughs> yeah, deal with a Mac Pro. Um, Your and problem. And it, yeah, it's not my problem. It's not me. It's you. And it really it was amazing. I mean, the fan ramped up really gracefully, and like I mean, it's an Apple Store. Like it's noisy. There are people crying at the Genius Bar. Um, but even like you put your hand on top of it and the exhaust hair is like barely warmer than like the ambient temperature of the Apple store. It is really impressive. And it's so small. Like I would totally work with it on my desk where at the old Mac pro, you would be crazy to put it at desk height because it's it will noisy. break There's... most desks. Oh yeah. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> Just go straight uh, through them. <laughs> yeah. I mean, your desk is glass, right? Like that thing yeah. will survive. Um, it's weird that I know what your desk is made out of. Hmm. 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 So, yes, it's beautiful. It's powerful. You should buy one. You should buy one for me. Okay. And 
I'll get right on that. A bunch of Apple stores now, because they have uh, the, the Regent Street one in the UK is like this, and I've seen some people post pictures of it. Um, they have like this display now where they have them in a, like a glass tube and it's got the case, like the outside casing taken off so you can see inside. I've seen a picture of that. Uh, my store did not have that, but right. our store is sort of like the Humpty Dumpty grandma store. I think and, it might um, be in flagships at the moment. Yeah, we're not... Uh, the Memphis store is not a flagship. It's I've been to that store. I've spent a lot of time there. Mm-hmm. Used to work there. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Subtle reference to my ebook, but um, yeah, I wanted to open it actually, and like one some I knew the manager on duty, and like I wanted to be like, hey, can I open this? But it was all wired up, and I'm sure the alarm would have gone off. Yeah, that would not have, not have looked good. Yeah, this guy used to work here. He's stealing a Mac Pro. But there uh, was like a there was like a gossip rag for the tech industry it would have been like Stephen Hackett found trying to steal Mac Pro from local Apple store I think you're just describing Business Insider oh dear mm. Michael yes would you like to tell me about some of our friends yes we have a brand new sponsor this week which I'm really really excited to tell people about and that's lynda.com so you may have heard about Linda. Linda are awesome. Linda.com has over 2,000 high-quality and engaging video courses taught by industry experts with courses, new courses, added every single day. Linda helps anyone learn creative, software, and business skills to achieve personal and professional goals whenever and wherever they are, you are, we are, and wherever you want. Their wide breadth of courses from beginner to advanced makes it easy to learn something new no matter what level you may be. Lynda.com makes it a breeze to learn whenever and wherever you want on your computer, tablet or mobile device. Each course is structured so you can learn from start to finish or just jump on and find a quick answer. They give you access to not only searchable transcripts but so you can quickly find information within a course but also closed caption transcripts so you can follow along with the video too. I want to state this. These are not homemade how-tos like the kind that you'll find on YouTube. Lindo provides high-quality video production from state-of-the-art studios. Their videos include animations and diagrams to make sure you really understand what you're learning, and the instructors are accomplished professionals at the top of their fields with a true passion for teaching. Lindo.com has only one low monthly price of $25, which provides unlimited access to the entire course library. Linda offers a variety of instructional courses for all levels that cover a wide range of technical skills, creative techniques, business strategies, and more. They've got courses on absolutely everything. Like if you want to maybe learn iOS app development, they've got something like that. Final Cut Pro, maybe you want to learn about content marketing. Maybe you want to learn about business relationships and how to do networking and stuff like that. They have all of that stuff. Photography, video, audio recording, podcasting, they have all of that. And of course... Stephen, when I went to play around with Linda this week, I took some of the podcasting stuff. So I went and took a look at Logic Pro. Um, so they have a, a bunch of Logic Pro 10 stuff. Like like one course, they had like a whole course, like 45 hours long. And I am a visual learner. So um, Stephen and our friend Matt joke about this a lot. I, I like to watch videos rather than read. And this is just perfect for me because I'm able to take a look at this list of courses and I wanted to learn about some stuff in Logic. I can select it. I can watch this video. It shows me the application running in real time. I've got somebody speaking to me. There's the transcript there so I can highlight what they're saying and move back and forth throughout the transcript. Wherever you click on the transcript takes you to the video. It's just fantastic. And there's stuff like um, with some of the Logic stuff, you can download a Logic file 
of the, the one that the guy is showing you how to learn on, so you can learn along with him. Actually, that was really cool. So you get to like download an exercise. I'm blown away. I was blown away by lynda.com and, and I'm really excited to learning more about not just logic, but a bunch of other stuff as well. But here's the cool part, the really super cool part. lynda.com is giving you, listeners of the prompt, a special offer to access the entire library for free for seven days so you can find out exactly how useful Lynda is going to be for you. So go visit lynda.com slash the prompt. So it's T-H-E-P-R-O-M-P-T. To try lynda.com for free for seven days. That's L-Y-N-D-A dot com slash the prompt. So thank you to lynda.com for supporting 5 by 5 and the prompt. So there you go. Check it out. I'm genuinely really impressed. Like, I didn't expect it to be as good as it was. Like, it blew me away. Like, I thought, yeah. oh, this will be cool. I thought, you know, this is going to be some cool videos. But... I put this one on about logic, and there's a guy in like this massive recording studio. Like I didn't expect it to yeah, look as good it's as not, that. It's not like a dude at a card table. Like it's no. it's real professionals in real environments, like actually teaching. Like not yep. just it's you gotta check it out. Like I thought that it might just be like you know interesting stuff to watch, and they would show me like a screencast. But it's so much more than that. So you should go yeah. check it out. Seven days free trial. Linda.com slash the prompt. All right. Mike, you don't have a driver's license. I do not have a driver's license. The government no. took it away. Yes. And by that, they mean, I mean you never applied for one. The government preemptively stopped me from getting a driver's license. It's really the same thing. Yeah. Um, and for listeners who may not realize why, why don't you have a driver's license? Um, it's in where I grew up. There's lots of traffic. It's I, I grew up in a large city. And I would which, spend, which large city? What country are you from? Uh, London, London. Oh, England. you're British. I am British. Yes, um, oh. and I took some lessons when I was 17, and uh, killed an entire would, family. I would spend 45 minutes in traffic, hmm. so it kind of wasn't exciting. And then the transport in London is so good, like public transport, that I've never actually really needed a car. So I have yeah. a car. You do. I do. I have a driver's license. You've been to my car. I have. Uh, this is a terrible introduction to this topic. <laughs> we're uh, talking about CarPlay is what we're yes, discussing. Yes, CarPlay, which is not something, not a name that I foresaw, uh, formerly known as iOS in the car. Why have they changed the name to CarPlay? I think iOS in the car is a worse name than CarPlay. <laughs> but but iOS in the car, like it's just it's palatable, like it's just acceptable. Um, people are very divided on CarPlay. I don't like it. Like I don't know. It, there's just something about it. it; just doesn't doesn't fit with me. Um, but CarPlay, it's just you know, I get what Apple are trying to do. They're trying to be to come up with the next i something. Everything something play now, you know. Maybe yeah, we'll they have like tune play instead of iTunes. Yeah, I think Joanne Stern tweeted a picture of like a treadmill control surface, which like I don't know if you ever used one, but they're terrible. And she was like, "Why can't Apple fix this?" And like, and Jason Snell chimed in, and I joked that you know it would be called Play Play. But um, oh, very clever on the Twitter. So yeah, so this thing is out, and it was announced at the Geneva Car Show, which is going on this week. So, you know, people are like, why is it in the middle of the night? Well, it wasn't. It was in crazy that's, Europe. That's the typical, like... 
Yeah, I'd say American. Yeah, I saw like so many Americans tweet like, oh, Apple did this overnight. Oh, they oh, did man. it and nobody was watching. Oh, guys, the, the world is flat, guys. Um, <laughs> God, it makes me mad. Uh, so, yeah, so this thing is out. And, you know, there's been a lot of coverage of it. We're not going to walk through all the features, I don't think. Um, I think there's some interesting things I do want to touch on, though. Um, it... It integrates with, it is not a replacement of existing car systems. And so, you know, my car doesn't have this because it's old and sad, but, uh, you know, nice cars, you know, um, have like touchscreens in them now. And there's a lot of con- uh, audio control and even some of them have the climate control built in in these displays now. And CarPlay does not take those over. Um, in fact, we have a bunch of links in the show notes. We have one with a video uh, on the Verge, uh, the Volvo integration is one on Engadget of the Ferrari integration, and these things still have like Volvo still has like their like software on this thing. Ferrari still has their software, uh, but the CarPlay like in the Ferrari video is like a button, and you turn it you know you hit the CarPlay button, and then you're in this interface, and it's driven from your iPhone, which is plugged in via a Lightning cable. The button says Apple CarPlay, which is so <laughs> weird. Yeah. There's something about that. It's like that's strange. I don't know why, but I saw the button. I was like, that looks weird. No, I thought it was weird too. Uh, like, I don't it know should why. Just, just be a little logo or something. Yeah. Well. Yeah. 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 You know. I don't know. <laughs> um, so it seems. You know. I think. I think it's really interesting. Like, an Apple's playing on different people's hardware, and so like. You know, Volvo's integration might be one way, and Ferrari's might be another, and it's very unclear to me. Uh, who is um, driving that? <laughs> oh, oh. <laughs> um, this you is know. What, this is the really weird part about it. So, th- the first video that came out was the Ferrari video, and um, guy who literally lives a couple of miles down the road from me, Matt Bryan and Gadget, got the like. He seemed to be the first person to have. Yeah, I want to talk about that video when you're. Okay, so we'll go into it in, in, in a bit more in a minute. But, like, um, he kind of had the first hands-on with it, and it was with the Ferrari FF. And in the Ferrari, it's a totally different experience. Like, the software seems to come across in a totally different way than what it does in the Volvo. Yeah. And that's so strange. It doesn't seem very Apple-like. It's not, it's not Apple-like. Like, then they don't seem to have any say in it. And I don't know if maybe it will be different with the cars that come later because you've got a bunch of um, people like Ferrari, Honda, Hyundai, Jaguar, Mercedes-Benz and Volvo. They're going to have cars in 2014. So it may have already been too late for Apple to have any say in them. It would be interesting to see you've got like BMW, Nissan, Ford. How, really how would it be too late for Apple to have say in them? Like they, it's their system. I think Apple has set it up where they are playing on the car manufacturer's turf. And I think if that's true, so if... If Volvo and Apple sit down and they say, look, we want to put this in the car, and Volvo says, well, we're in charge of it. Yeah, that's what I mean. So, like, What, what Apple yeah. gets out of that, I think, is that they – Volvo is dealing with all the regulation and all the federal – at least in the states, all of the federal – there's a lot of federal law and regulation about this stuff. And my guess is that if, if Volvo says, hey, we're in charge of this, then Apple can maybe – I don't know, but maybe not deal with some of that stuff, and so it's it's but a Volvo product. That doesn't. It's unlike with Apple. 
No, I know. I mean, it's weird, but I think, I think that might be why. They're creating an inconsistent and, in some experiences, poor interface. I, like, I, I'm not disagreeing. And that it's just weird. seems really strange to me. Yeah, I mean, it. you look at, well, look at the iPhone, right? The iPhone was sort of the first and really still one of the only smartphones that carriers don't get to put a bunch of crap on. Mm-hmm. And this is sort of not that thing. Um, now, it's not... I mean, there's no. We'll probably never really know, you know, why it's this way. I think, I think it's interesting because it is unlike Apple. And I think the other thing that's really interesting is like people keep cars for a long time. Like, you know, I guess if you buy a Ferrari FF, you might buy a new one in three years, but that that car is going to be around for a while. And like, Apple's getting into what very possibly could be a very long term game. You know, if iOS uh, 10, oh, that's going to freak me out when that happens, iOS X, uh, iOS 10 comes out in three years, like Apple still has to support CarPlay and all these cars that are four years old, right? Or do they? Like, I just don't know how it's going to play out. Yes. Yeah, oh, that's really interesting, right? Because I wonder if how it will change. Because, like, cause div- so, like, not all devices will work with CarPlay. So it would be interesting to see if Apple has mapped out their devices over that period of time <laughs> to the point where it's, they're all still going to work with CarPlay. I, I think it means the Lightning Connector is here to stay, at least for a while. Don't um, they work over Bluetooth? I think at this point it's all Lightning. Oh, really? I believe so. That uh, surprises I think, I think, me. I think Volvo said that Bluetooth or Wi-Fi or integration or something is coming. But I think at this point it's got to be hardwired, which kind of makes sense. Like, you know... I mean, I, my I've got an aftermarket head unit in my Nissan, and I have uh, a USB cable, and I send music to my car through the USB cable, and it charges it. That's really nice. Like, I can't imagine the battery drain on this thing because it's if it has like beam video or beam control to the car. Is the it weird thing, saying about aftermarket? Is it weird that there isn't an, an aftermarket option? I really wish there was because like, I, it seems like this this the logical yeah. thing to do. Yeah, like Apple, like, sell an aftermarket thing, and I can hook it up in my car. Like, it would be really sweet. I hate, I mean, aftermarket stereos are miserable. Yeah. I've had a bunch of them because I always buy old cars and, like, always want to plug my iPod in. But I have never had one that I truly liked. Like, I've got a, I've had Pioneers, I've had Alpines, there are a bunch of different brands. But it's like, there's not, there's not a clear winner in my mind in that space. And I, I really think Apple could come in and like you know make it three hundred bucks. Like people, will, I I think it would sell at that you know even at, at that high of a price. That's that's pretty high in the yeah. aftermarket. I think mine was like a hundred bucks, but maybe that's Apple, why mine are crappy. Apple don't even need to make it because clearly they don't mind making deals in the with this system. Yeah, you know? let Samsung build it. Yeah. <laughs> so like going back to the the inconsistency with the the way that the, the thing seems to work. So in the Ferrari video there seems to be like a poor touchscreen, potentially resistive or just not a very good capacitive touchscreen. There doesn't appear to be any like there's just no swiping. Some stuff has to be done by a button. Yeah, like by, I'm sure by, it's by, not. I'm sure it's not resistive. But I think the Ferrari also has like a Siri button on the steering wheel. That they, they probably like, all have that. That might, yeah, that might act- be required. Yeah, because you need if you need to activate voice control, um, and you've got it seems it seemed to be more unresponsive, and there were things like it wouldn't do name like uh, 
you couldn't like scrub through or like scroll through a list of names. You had to like click down through them. But then in the Volvo, you could do that and you could do like the bit on the right where you click and drag by the what do they call it? Like, the, like a name picker? I don't know what you you know when you on on the the right hand side of the the contacts list, you've got the list the alphabet alphabetical. Yeah, list. the little scrubber. Yeah, you can do that on the Volvo one. So like it's like fundamentally different from car to car. Like it's it just is it that is the thing that I think has, has struck me the most from this is it it just seems like really inconsistent and a very un Apple like way of doing things. And I know that probably everyone is saying this, right? And any anyone that has an opinion on this, this is the opinion that they have, but it's just it just seems very it's very, very peculiar to me. I I agree. Um and Ford as well is going to be one of the partners. So yeah. what's happening with Ford Sync, I wonder? Maybe they'll give you an option. But or maybe, I mean, they could run side by side, potentially. It's the same stuff, though. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think I think there's a lot of interesting stuff there. You know, the Engadget video, I think, was particularly interesting that it was a demo done by an Apple employee that's not an executive. And I got, a, I got so much email about this, but... Like that happens. Like after an iPad announcement, there's like Apple employees backstage, um, you know, demoing the devices to media. You know, to Federico in his bed backstage. But very rarely do those people make it on camera. And like the Engadget video that Matt did was really good, and it was like a ten minute thing by a woman who works at Apple. Who, like, who was uh, in Geneva for the Clasher. Yeah, like, which I yeah. think is really cool. And I think Apple should be doing more of that stuff. Like, I think it's a better message that it's not just Phil Schiller on stage. Like, they didn't even do a keynote. Like, this just came out in the middle of the night to America. And so I, I like that approach of Apple, like the more low key approach of like, hey, we're just going to get in the car and show you this thing and, you know, by this random, seemingly random Apple employee. Um, Why just in Gadget? Because that's awesome. Yeah, but I just wonder why though. I don't know. I mean, I don't. I don't know. I don't know. Who knows? I mean, I, there's of all these things, there's no, there's no rhyme or reason for why they do things. But it seems like Engadget were the only comp, were the only tech blog to get the walkthrough that I've seen anyway. Yeah, there's, there's, there's no telling. Um, you know, one thing that that I will want out of this and. You know, it's it's annoying now on the iPhone, but I, I think on a system like this, it would be even more annoying. Is that Apple's voice dictation on iOS can still be really spotty? Um, I use it if I'm in the car, and inevitably it will get a, something wrong. And I'm sure that's like part of it's on Apple, part of it's on me, just not being able to speak very well. But I'm always tempted to like go in and like fix typos or like add the word that it missed or, you know, it, it swapped two words around and and it now says something totally different than what I meant. And, you know, it's, that's, that's really frustrating just on the iPhone. And I think on a system like this in your hundred thousand dollar sports car, like you want it to get it right all the time. And, you know, maybe it'll be better. Maybe it's using better microphones. Maybe Apple's improving the service. But I think Apple overall, I think voice dictation and like Siri recognition really have to get better. Like in just in general, that technology is is just not. It's just not there. Voice dictation is just not there. 
Like it, that 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 technology is just not advanced enough, and uh, I don't know what it needs to take to get to get to that point. And but there's always that you know that that discussion if it's never going to be a hundred percent, and for as long as it's not a hundred percent, it's always less reliable. I totally agree. And then it's still you know, well then I don't know if it could be less reliable than my typing abilities. Ugh. Um, I got an email from Tumblr that Mike Chat's turned a year old this week. Oh, that's that's <laughs> been trolling you on the internet for a year. Yay! Um, the other thing I want to touch on before we move on is the app situation. And so, as it stands today, uh, CarPlay ships with on the, the first the first party side, um, phone, music, maps, messages, uh, and. So those are like the four core components, but it, it they've listened to kind of like third party apps, even though one is by Apple. Uh, podcasts, the Apple's podcast app, uh, your favorite Beats Music, mm-hmm. iHeartRadio, Spotify, and Stitcher. And I think there's two points I want to make. One, I think it's great that podcast is there, and I think you know the dream that you can just turn on your car radio and listen to a podcast is like now that much closer. Um, it's unfortunate that the podcast app isn't very good. And and that's kind of where people I've seen people on Twitter kind of not, I don't think many of them are like angry, but I think there's some like contention that like this isn't open to third party developers in a open way. But I don't think you have to look any further than the Apple TV to understand that the iOS app store and the Mac app store are one type of thing and CarPlay and the Apple TV or something else, you know. Uh, the Apple TV, I think Apple handles really poorly. I feel like every time I turn mine on, I turn my TV on, there's like some new random app that I don't want on my Apple TV, so I go in and hide it. But, you know, this thing, like, it, it's not an Apple TV. It's actually an extension of the iPhone. And clearly these guys have access to some SDK or some sort of partnership that's not on the open market right now. Well, I saw a um, David Smith tweet underscore our good friend underscore. Yeah, I was like, "Who's but David Smith?" <laughs> when he was oh, watching underscore. the video, he said he had the impression like there would be um, a CarPlay API, and I think there probably will be eventually. I think that Apple will have a pretty strict um, approval process if I your app so. includes that. I hope so too. Like, you don't want like a crappy app. Like crash your iPhone, you know your yep. compute, you know your computer in your car, or just anything that makes you look away from the wheel. So if the app crashes or something strange happens, like right, you don't want that. You don't want your attention to be taken by anything other than the road, which is the whole point of this system. Anyway. I totally agree. And so I think Apple, if you look at their screenshots, um, you know the user interface has very big touch targets. You know. So if your arm's stretched out and you hit a bump, you know, you can still kind of hit your button. The colors are basically very muted. Like I'm looking at the music app right now, and it doesn't really look like iOS 7. It's not a white background. It's a darker background. Um, I think Apple's going to have to be really strict on developers, um, which I think is good. Like I don't want the guy who made Flappy Bird making an app for my car dashboard. Like I feel like it will be one of those... um, Like do you remember the original like seven tentpole API things. Oh, yeah. It will be like one of those. Like, it will have very, very strict things that it will allow for. 
and nothing outside that. So it would practically, I reckon, just just be audio. It would just be an audio API, um, and it, like I don't I don't know anything more than that. But I can't imagine any other use case other than audio. Uh, I agree, and I would love to have Pocket Cast, which is my podcast app of choice, on this thing. Yeah. Um, I would also like a Ferrari FF, but I guess you know, dreams Vegas of dreams. Can't be choosers. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's like um, I don't have hubcaps in my car. Like I'm, you know, got a little ground to make up. But I, I think it's just it's really early. Like this thing's three days old, and I'm very interested to see how Apple plays this. Um, because I think at some point they've got to, you know, if it's a, if it's just an audio API and you throw up an interface, like, you know, that could be really that could be really cool. And I, I think it's neat that there are third party apps at launch. Like I could I could see an a version of Apple that would say, you know, you can only use these first party apps and that's it. Um, so I'm encouraged that things like Spotify and iHeartRadio and Beats are on there. And so hopefully there, there's more to come, but I don't think anyone, I'm not surprised that it's not open at this point. Should we move on? We should move on. So let's uh, take a break and thank our second sponsor for this week's episode. And that is, of course, the fine folks over at Squarespace. Squarespace are the only one platform that make it fast and easy to create your own website for a free trial and 10% off. Go to squarespace.com and use the offer code TallyHo3. Squarespace are always making sure that they're constantly updating their platform with new features, new designs, and more support. They have stunning templates that you can get started with and a bucket load of style options for you to adjust so you can really craft and create your own space on the internet. Everything is drag and drop with Squarespace. So it's really easy to rearrange the way that your pages look. You can take the image blocks and rearrange them with the text blocks and just drag and drop them around. And you can also drag and drop content directly from your desktop into your web browser and it appears on your Squarespace website. So simple. Squarespace makes sure that your site's going to look fantastic on any device because they make sure that every Squarespace website has responsive web design. They all have their own unique mobile design. Every single one of them it's going to look fantastic on all sorts of devices. And you can easily connect your favorite web and social services like Twitter, Facebook, LinkedIn, Pinterest, Instagram, Google, and many more so you can pull content in and push content out. Squarespace also has their own e-commerce platform. So if you want to set up a shop and sell things online, you can do that in just a few minutes with Squarespace Commerce, which is available on any Squarespace plan. Squarespace is really easy to use, but if you need any help at all, they have over 70 dedicated employees to customer care who are available for live chat during the week and have super fast email support throughout the day and night, and they're all based in New York City. You can try out Squarespace for free. There's no credit card needed to do this. And if you decide to purchase, it starts at just $8 a month and includes a domain name if you sign up for a year. Make sure that you get 10% off and support this show by using the offer code TALLYHO3 as T-A-L-L-Y-H-O and the number 3. But just before I finish, guys, this nearly is your last call. If you are an engineer or a designer, Squarespace may be looking to hire you. If you want to apply with Squarespace for a job, go to beapartofit.squarespace.com where you can find out loads more. But basically, if you are if you are accepted for an interview, you'll go out to New York for a weekend and they will pay for everything. They'll put you up in a nice hotel to make sure that you go to all their favorite places and you'll get to hang out with the crew over there as well as having an opportunity to get a job at an awesome company. That's beapartofit.squarespace.com. Thank you so much to Squarespace for their support of the prompt and 5x5. Hooray! 
So I'm going to try something a little bit interesting now. I think we should set it up first. Yeah. Oh, I mean, this was part of the setup. So you wrote a piece um, yes. about FaceTime audio and Skype. On my fancy Squarespace site. Yes, you have a Squarespace. We have not addressed this yet. so Should maybe, we address it? If you want to, yes. I moved to Squarespace. It's awesome. There you go. <laughs> I mean, right. I, I, in later episodes, I want to talk to you about Squarespace as part of the advertisement, but we've, I've not addressed it so far. But yes, 5tallpixels.net is now a Squarespace website. It's true. Therefore, proving how it's really uh, is usable for everyone. <laughs> Even me. It, well, I mean, you, you are someone who has very specific needs. I do. You and you, you meet almost all of them, Michael. Thank you very much. So I wrote a piece with your help. So thank mm-hmm. you. I quoted you as 5 by 5s Mike Hurley. Someone Hello. called me out on that. They were like, really? I'm like, yeah, you know. I um, am. <laughs> yes. Uh, right. So... Let's set it up. So iOS 7 brought FaceTime audio into existence. So FaceTime has been around for a while, maybe iOS 5. I feel like it was on the iPhone 4S. It's been FaceTime, iPhone 4 maybe. Um, Something like that. uh, Something. It's been around for a while. Anyways, iOS 7 added audio-only FaceTime. And so I don't have to have a camera, I can just, just do FaceTime over audio. So, Mike, we, you and I... And you. Yeah, we use it a bunch. Me and you, you and me. Uh, we uh-huh, use it a uh-huh. bunch because you live in a country that is not the country that I live in, mm-hmm. if people haven't noticed that. Mm-hmm. And so we use it because international calls are expensive, and it just uses data from our... Uh, you know, if you're on Wi-Fi, you know, just uses Wi-Fi. I've used it in the car with you, and it's just using my LTE plan. It works pretty well. The interesting part, or the the relevant part, I should say, is OS 10.9.2 that was released last week introduced FaceTime audio on the Mac. So for a long time, you've been able to FaceTime video on the Mac, which has worked well. We've used it before. Lots of people have used it. But it now means that I can have a FaceTime audio call on my computer that's plugged into the wall with my big expensive microphone hanging here. And a lot of people, you know, knowing this was coming, have speculated that it could be a really interesting alternative to Skype for podcasters. So, you know, Mike, right now you and I are using Skype to hear each other to talk. And... Um, we double end or actually normally triple end the show where you, Federico, and I are all recording our audio locally and then we sync you most weeks, sync them up so we get the highest possible quality so we don't get Skype artifacting and that sort of thing in our podcast. And so people have been wondering can FaceTime audio do that? Can you A, use it as a Skype replacement and still double end, which you can very easily? Or can you actually use, can you actually record the FaceTime audio call and release that as a podcast? And so we did a little experimentation. So my sort of feelings about this, um, basically, podcasters complain about Skype because Skype is the tool that we use to talk to each other. Yes. Now, by and large, Skype is good at what it does. I I would agree. Most of the time, it's great, actually. It has a very good tone, and I know 
um, and I, you, this is what you quote me, from talking to people that are smarter than myself about this stuff, i.e. Dan Benjamin, I know that Skype does a lot of stuff around compressing and dynamic range, which other services like this don't provide such a good such a good system. Like it's just not. Right. It just doesn't sound as good. Because there are other products that do what Skype does. Yeah, like several options. And I said that it sounds most like a telephone call. And also, I actually think that Skype calls sound pretty close when you have a good connection. Sound pretty close to the final recording. So, we're going to try something out now. You are currently listening to me and Stephen, and we are talking, you are hearing us from our local recordings that we've done. Now, Stephen, are you ready for this? I am so ready. So, we're going to switch over now to Skype. So, I, Stephen is now recording me through Skype, and this is what you're hearing. So, if you can hear a discernible difference... It's Skype. If you can't, it is still Skype, but it sounds good. <laughs> right. So basically, with, a con- with it being me and Stephen today, the, the connection is very good. Um, when we have Federico in the mix, it, mix, it get, he can get a bit funny because there's three different parts of the world. That's where it starts to break down a bit. But the conversation, the call that me and Stephen have had, that obviously we've been listening to the whole time we've been recording, has been very clear. And I think that Skype does a very good job of this. Also, as well, it, it, it actually fails quite gracefully in the sense that Skype, when it, when it breaks down, you can hear that it's breaking down. It doesn't cut out in most cases. It does that weird thing, right? Where it's like... You sound like a robot. But in a, if, if we're taking podcasting out of this, converse, out of, out of this and you're looking at this being a, a call between two people, which is what Skype is intended for... In those instances, I know you're still talking, but I know I can't hear you. If it went dead, just quiet, dead, which is what FaceTime audio does, and you may hear that in a bit when we switch over to that, then I don't know if the call's just finished or not. Exactly. So I, I actually think that Skype does a pretty good job. I think that it sounds closest to a telephone, which is what pe- people are used to hearing. And I think that it also sounds... Closest to the original recordings. Do you have anything that you want to add on Skype? Uh, I mean, no, I agree. And I think the part about it failing gracefully is important. Um, when you and I were testing this in the course of my me writing my article, there were several times where I wasn't sure what was going on because you know Skype gives you a little window and you can see drop packets and like we all know like what the Skype robot sounds like. You know, like you you hear that often. Um, and so with FaceTime audio, there's less, there, there are fewer cues of what's actually happening with the call itself. And I think that's important, especially in an environment that, you know, we're in right now where we are producing something like I mean, we have both said, like if you have to re-record a show, it's never the same show. And usually it's not as good. And so that's really critical to know what's happening. And FaceTime audio doesn't give you that information. And that, that can be frustrating. Um, but I do agree with you on the on the sound, and I think uh, when you and I were talking, FaceTime audio sounds like someone sounds when you're in the room with them. There's something about it. There's a quality that's different. And I think for podcasting, it's actually a step in the wrong direction. Um, but so shall we prove this? I think so. 
So we're now going to switch over to the FaceTime audio. So now this is FaceTime audio. Um, again, hopefully you can hear a difference. I think the reason we wanted to do this, it wasn't to really to rehash so much of what Stephen had said, but this gives his readers and you as listeners probably the best way to try and understand what we're trying to get at, because you can actually hear with your own ears the difference in audio quality. Yeah, I, th- I think so. And, you know, I think there's a lot of interesting reasons Apple has done FaceTime audio. I, I don't think podcasting was one of them. Yeah, I agree. So, um, um, yeah, that's, <laughs> I don't have a lot to add. <laughs> no, I mean, so, while we're here in our FaceTime audio call, I mean, do you think that at some point FaceTime audio could replace Skype for podcasting? Like, besides audio stuff, like, is there anything else that's holding it up for you? Um, like you can't do a three-way two, call. Yeah, more, you need to be able to do more than two people on a call. That's pretty important. Um, aside from that, not particularly. Like, it feels like that's just the main thing. Um, and then obviously, yeah, I should say the audio quality, but aside from that, I don't think much more. Yeah, I, I agree. I think it'll be interesting to see where this goes in the future. And, um, you know, uh, I think competition to Skype would be good. Hopefully Apple can, uh, give them a run for their money. Cool. Can we switch back? Yes. Welcome back. Oh, that's a relief. <laughs> I do. I do prefer the sound of Skype. Yes. Yeah, so um, it, it's weird when you and I speak on FaceTime audio, I'm always taken aback for a second because in my mind, you sound the way you sound over Skype. You know, like when I think of Mike's voice, this is what I think of. And this is what I hear on your hundred other podcasts, but uh, FaceTime audio definitely has a different quality to it. I don't know. It's, it's, it's very interesting that something that would seem so similar is not. I've described it as having somebody sound like they're closer to you. It's kind of strange. but there's a tinny sound to it, but it is definitely, it's definitely clearer when it when it works. But it doesn't sound as rich. It's, it's, yeah, it's a strange kind of thing, and I hope that we've been able to help people in some way. That's what we're here for. So, should we round off this week with some picks? Yes, weekly picks. Do you want to start? I would like to start. Uh, my pick is a Mac application called Arc. A R Q. And what Arc does, um, and it was just updated to version 4, we'll get to that in a second, Arc is a online backup application. It is, um, you know, in a way a contender to something like CrashPlan or Backblaze. But what's different about this is that you can control what it backs up to. And so Arc, historically, you've been able to back up to S3. Uh, which is, of course, Amazon's online storage. Uh, they, they've added Amazon Glacier, uh, but Arc 4, which was out uh, earlier this week, has some new options. You can back up to an SFTP server. So if you had something like a, like a Drobo or some other NAS that was running FTP, uh, you could back up to that. So you can back up to something that you, know, you have physical control of as well as just, you know, S3, you're not, you have control of it, but it's not physical control. Um, you can back up to multiple targets now. So I could say I want to back up to my FTP site and I want to back up to S3. Um, 
and uh, they've kind of updated um, the the Glacier stuff as well. So Glacier is Amazon's long-term storage. It's really cheap until you need to recover something, and then it's slower and more expensive. Um, so I think it's I think it's a great tool if if you don't have an online backup system, and you definitely should. Uh, at some point, we're going to do a big thing on backups. But you should have something local like Time Machine. And then you should have something like this. So if your house burns down, all your data doesn't go away. And if you don't want to use something like CrashPan or Black or Backblaze, which I like both. I think both are good options. If you want something with a little more control to it, Arc is definitely worth the money and definitely worth checking out. For reasons unknown to anybody in the world, Instagram does not have an iPad app. It's ridiculous. It makes literally no sense, but they do have um, an API so people can make their own. There are a couple of cool ones that are available for the iPad, um, but the one that I personally use is called Padgram. Um, It's free, but it has in-app purchases. So it's free, but the in-app purchases allow you to sort of um, add different features, like to unlock different features or to remove ads from the applications, ad supported otherwise. There's an app, I think, called Flow or something like that, which is kind of cool, but um, I don't know if they have now, but it was previously just landscape, and sometimes I like to use my iPad and portrait. But um, Padgram looks really nice. It's got an iOS 7 look to it, and it gives me the ability to look through all of my Instagram photos in like a grid, um, and you can. there's a bunch of settings like in the way that you want to view the application, and you can do a bunch of cool stuff like that. Obviously, you cannot post to Instagram. That's actually not part of their API. You can just view Instagram images. Um, You cannot post from these kind of applications. You can only post via going to the Instagram app, you know, as you've seen in your favorite camera applications. But what I really like is you can, you view the images in their thumbnails, which are about three quarters the size of they are on the iPhone. And then you can pick them up. You can like blow them up. So you select them and it blows them up like to the full screen size of the iPad, which is great. Like, I love the fact that you're able to do that. You're able to to see them in their full glory. You can comment and you can add comments and see likes and you can like images and stuff like that. An interesting feature, I don't use this a lot myself and I am sparing when I do. You're also able to download the images. Oh, nice. That's pretty cool. Um, There are some times when I do want to do that, like if family or friends post images that I like, sometimes I want to download them. It does this cool thing where it warns you and it's like, remember these are other people's images. Yeah. Yeah. Because you you can also, with one button, (laughs) download every single image which is currently in view. How is that allowed by Instagram? (laughs) I have no idea. Secrets. Yeah, I feel like they might be doing something a bit strange. Um, But yeah, I, I think it's really cool. Like, It's got a... A, a, it, it's just got a bunch of cool features. You can subscribe to users, which is quite interesting. So if you want to see images from a specific user, like it gives you a quick way of just going straight to them rather than searching for their name, which is really frustrating in Instagram. Mm-hmm. Um, you can search by tags and subscribe to tags. So you can have safe searches. Um, and they have like popular tags and popular like hashtags and stuff. So you can go in and view like view a bunch. It allows you to be able to go in and view your photos really quickly. If that's important to you, you can see like all the other stuff, like the list of people who liked you and things like that. And it has multiple account support as well. If that's also your bag. Um, I really like it. It does everything that I would want out of a client of this kind. It has some cool extra features and it presents everything in a really nice, consistent interface where it kind of just shows the information you want to see. So it's padgram. 
Very cool. I think that's it for this week's episode. I think that's uh, I think that's uh, one for the record books. If you want to uh, find the links to the stuff we've discussed today, go to 5x5.tv slash prompt slash 38. You'll also find the link there for to find everything that we all do, but also for our... Uh... <laughs> well, I mean, like, it's got our websites and it has our Twitter accounts and it has the show's Twitter account, which is underscore the prompt, and it has all of our previous episodes. And it also has the button the link for if you want to contact us and send us an email like um, our friends did at the top of the show so again thank you to Carlos and Justin for writing in and that was we got that feedback from them because they spoke to us via the feedback form on the 5x5 website if you want to keep up with Stephen's work over on his Squarespace blog, go to 512pixels.net and he is also at ISMH on Twitter. Uh, Federico, when we, we will still talk about him even though he couldn't make it here today, he is at Vitici, V-I-T-I-C-C-I on Twitter and he writes at maxstories.net. Uh, we miss you, Federico, and we hope that you're back with us next week. And I am iMike, I-M-Y-K-E on Twitter, and I also host a bunch of shows over on 5 by 5 um, of which you can check out at 5by5.tv. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of The Prompt. Until next time, bye-bye. Adios.